0: Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We're so happy that we can be identified with that precious name. Many people say that name, they use it in cursing, they use it in things that's so, so reproachable to what a glorious name it is. Aren't you glad that you not just say it, but you're part of it. You're part of that name. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. We're so happy we could be together again in the house of God. Let's turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read um, a few verses here before we we pray over the Word. How many believers are living in the last days? You think perilous times are here? Uh, I believe we, we can all agree to that. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hard to deal with, hard to understand, hard to be able to even reckon in life. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight, Father, for the opportunity that we have, that we could come together again, Lord, to be able to worship and sing and praise, and now of the breaking of your word. Lord God, we bring before you tonight, Father, all of our needs, our desires. You see, Lord, as we were just talking about in the office before coming out, Lord, there are so many needs among your people. So many afflictions and sicknesses and troubles in the homes. And Lord, just everywhere we look, when we get down to pray, there's so many. It's like we can't even remember them all. It's like our minds and our memory is just so flooded of trying to recollect everything. And Lord, we are so mindful of our human weakness But, Lord, we realize that no matter if we would bring a million, if we could remember that many or write them down or print them out, you'd be able to keep every one of them straight. You'd be able to send every answer to the right address. You'd never get it confused the way we do sometimes. And we will call the wrong name with the wrong request. But our God is so mighty and so wonderful that millions could come up before you in a moment of time and you'd keep them all straight. So Lord Jesus, we're looking to you tonight, Father. We look around us and we see the darkness. It is so penetrating the world that we live. We see our nation in the condition that it's in. We see the world. We see science baffled by one disease after another. But yet, Lord God... This hour has not taken you by surprise at all. So we're asking you tonight, Father, for your strength, for your grace, for your healing, for your encouragement, Lord. Father, I hold in my hand tonight these prayer calls. You see, Lord, Brother Jim Babb having a scan in his body. And Father, we're just believing you, Lord, that you're going to let this thing come back good. Father, you see so many of your children facing so many different things. But God, we just wanna lay our needs, our requests, our desires before your throne tonight, God. And we're asking you in the name of Jesus that your will would be done for every one of them. Now, as we come to the breaking of your word, I pray that you'd help me that I can get out of the way, that I can just step aside for a few moments, as it were, to allow you, Lord, to help me To be able to speak those things which are needful, which will bring strength, stability, courage to our hearts in this hour. Speak to us tonight, would you, Father? In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Would y'all say that again? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. So, the way we believe it here, you don't have to say a woman after you say amen because actually we're taught what amen believes what, what it means amen means so be it so when we say amen it is not a gender thing for us It is not something that we think, well, if we say amen, that we have to say a woman or a transgender or a so-and-so to be able to give everybody equal rights. No, we're taught better than that. So whenever we say amen, we know that it means so be it to our prayers. Aren't you glad tonight that in this crazy, mixed-up world that we have an absolute that we can tie our souls to? Now, we know that it has been prophesied and spoken for so many years that the end time would come and that people would grope in insanity. It was forecast by the prophets of the Old Testament and certainly was by the prophets of the New. And they told us that it would come a time that people like what we've read tonight, it would be such a tumult and the darkness would so penetrate the minds of people and the governments of the people of the earth and that people wouldn't know which way to go. They wouldn't have an answer. And even though people have looked at their great governments, whether it was a theocracy or a democratic as we have, yet, and no doubt, people have always had confidence in their government, thinking, well, this will be able to stern the the times whenever they come. And when the waves become in such a tumult, oh, our great nation will be able to stand. But how many of those that believe that are laying beneath the sea tonight? Or if we could go to the ancient ruins of Rome. Now I've stood there in Rome and I've looked at those ancient ruins. I've been to other parts of the world and which great, great men were able to rule from. And be able to see nothing left of that but just dig down so many feet and find some rocks laying there and maybe a piece of pottery and maybe a certain seal with a great man's name on it. And as you stand there and look at that and you say, here was a kingdom that they thought would endure for a thousand years. And yet all the rulers are gone, the people are gone, and the only thing that is left to testify that they existed is a rock with this certain man's name on it. We could go to Babylon, which of course you know is the land of Iraq, and we could go and find just barely a few remnants of what existed as one of the greatest empires of the ancient world. We could be able to go to Rome and go to Greece and find things that Alexander the Great had conquered and then as his kingdom was divided and went into the different powers of the generals and see how that they went to Egypt and they went to Greece and they went to Babylon and see those kingdoms as they were conquered one by one by one. And we could go to our founding fathers and see how they come here on the basis of searching for a land that they thought would be a free land, that their people might be able to worship and might have the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. And our founding fathers writing the Constitution and establishing our rights, little did they know Little did they know, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, all of those men would have never believed the things that you and I are facing in this very day, to where that as long as you say what is politically correct, the government is behind you. But if it's not, then guess what? You'll start losing some of your rights. Oh, it'll begin on Twitter first, then Facebook will follow, then YouTube will follow, then this one will follow. But I got some great encouragement this morning as I was thinking about how that no doubt the left has gained control of the Senate and the left has gained control of Congress, and the left has gained control of the White House, and the left has gained control of Silicon Valley. But then I had this encouraging thought, but the left has not gained control of the throne. And the left has not gained control of the kingdom of God in heaven. And the left has not gained control of the kingdom of God, which is in the earth. And may I go on to say, they never will. Because God, hallelujah, God is the one who is on the throne. And no matter what Congress does or Senate does or the White House does, they will only be allowed to do to the elect of God what God allows them to do, and everything they are allowed to do will only bring us closer to the rapture and closer to our body change, and I say, come Lord Jesus. Was anybody echo that sentiment tonight? Now we know that God, in in order to allow these things to happen, the prophet makes a very profound statement when he talks to us about this evil age. And he said the very reason that this age is even allowed to exist is to prove to Satan that there is a people on the earth that are not like Eve. Now think about that, that statement. It is absolutely overwhelming that the very reason that God God allowed it to exist, the darkness to become as great as it is, even disease, to come to such a place that our greatest scientists and doctors become stumped. Of course, now they've got a name for whatever bothers you, they blame it all on COVID. Now, it may not be COVID-related. Before, they just called it an airborne something or another that they wasn't sure. But if you wound up with a jerk, well, it's COVID-related. If you wound up with a big lip and a big fatty, It's COVID related. Don't you believe all that stuff? The thing of it is, they don't know a bit more now than they did, you know, many months ago about it all. When's science ever going to be honest and say they don't have all the answers to all of life's problems? But we know that our God knew that it would come to this place. He also knew it would increase great pressure upon the elect because he knows that the elect, even though they are elect in their souls, that their bodies are still human. They can have wonderful churches. They can be blessed by God with great ministries. They can be even blessed financially, live in nice homes, drive nice cars. But he also knows that the flesh of even the elect tends to get lazy. It tends to get to a spot to where we just kind of, you know, go along and have church and we get into a rhythm. But God knows how to turn the pressure up on us in order to make us pray like we've never prayed before. He knows how to let things even come in our home or our family or our nation or our church that'll begin to shake people up and say, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? Because there's something about this This old rotten body that you and I live in, it becomes lazy, it becomes complacent. Well, did y'all come to have church tonight or what? It becomes that way, and God knows exactly how to bring us together, does He not? Now we know that this was prophesied uh, so many different ways by which it would come. And our Lord Jesus, even whenever he was here, he forecast of the darkness that would be upon the earth in the last days. And he prophesied about the end of the Jewish dispensation as we looked at it last Wednesday on the three questions that were asked in Matthew 24. And you know, many theologians down through the years have run those three questions together. But Jesus was actually answering it in a dispensational way. So the first question was asked, they asked question one, question two, question three, and Jesus asked, answered them, but many of them have ascertained that he was putting it all together. So they tried to put it with the coming of the Lord and set a certain date. What is gonna be in 1958? Well, then we come to the message and we put it in 1977. And many, you know, they try to put it back on years in different times. But the Lord knows exactly how to answer Questions Does he not? He tells us just enough to let us know of a certain era and a certain time, but he does not give us enough information that will encourage our laziness. He does not give us enough to where he can pinpoint the day or the hour, but he will give us seasonal times, or he will give us dispensational measures by which we can look at and say, okay, we must be getting close. And you know, the unbeliever will look at and it, say, like, oh, I've heard people say that for 40 years. I've heard people say that since I was a little boy. Why? Because God will let many of those things overlap. And it would have, part of it applied in the days of Paul, part of it in the days of Luther, part of it in the days of Wesley, but it would be more magnified in the last days. But yet for those that are non-elect, they would say, oh, I've heard this all of my life. And they say, where is the promise of his coming? Why, my goodness, when I was a little boy, I I went to Happy Valley and I heard Brother Donnie preaching that 30 years ago and all I see happen is he's got more gray hair and them other people's got more gray hair and they've got older and older and Jesus ain't no closer to coming than he was then I beg to differ with you he's much closer now than he was 30 years ago when I first came here because the signs of the time though they linger they can go on and on and on is that right now, let us go back, if we can, to this that we was looking at last week in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. You know, when the Lord Jesus would speak, he would speak many times of, of a compound parable. Now, this is what he's doing about this symbolism here about the unclean spirit. And he says it this way, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. I want you to notice how Brother Brenham deals with this. He said, Jesus said when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man did you notice he never said when he's cast out of a man but when he goes out by his own will when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he returns back to this man and finds the house that he lived in has been swept and garnished. Then he goes and gets seven other devils, demons, unclean spirits, enters into that man. And the last to say to this man is seven times worse than it was at the first. Did you notice? The devil went out of his own will and he returned by his own will. Now with this house, had already been occupied when he returned he would have not been able to get in but you see he just found his swept and is. So here's an individual that has come through a step or steps or process to where they're getting closer and closer to God. Something has happened to them. They feel, feel a purging. They feel better. They feel cleaner. People look at their lives and they can definitely see changes in their lives. And even Satan himself had to take knowledge that something had happened to the life of this individual. But it's sort of like if you're looking for an apartment to rent or a house to rent, and then you would look down through there, and they will put it categorically. It will be either in the category of unfinished or furnished, rather, or furnished. Now, so you look down through there and you have all of your furniture and you want to look under the category, I want an apartment that is unfurnished. I want it to be empty because I like my table, my bed, my end tables, and this and that. But if you don't want to move your furniture and you want to leave it in storage, then you look in the category of a furnished apartment. Basically, you move your clothes in and your groceries in and everything else is furnished. But whether you look at a furnished one or an unfurnished one, it is still empty of an occupant. Now, whenever this devil goes out, and the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how long he's out, but it must have been long enough for the sanctification process, following the justification process to take place in the life of this individual. But the Lord Jesus is not just speaking now about a man, but he's speaking about a generation. And he's speaking about a dispensation. Watch again, Brother Ram says this, and how can I overcome? And we notice when the unclean spirit is gone from a man, he walks in dry places. That's exactly what the church has done. Baptists, Methodists, those who believed in sanctification. Okay, so we're not just looking now at a man or a woman, a young man or a young woman, but this can apply to an organization as well. It can apply to a generation. It can apply to a church age. Now watch how that you can take one man and represent a whole generation of people. You see, John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos when the angel of God told him to take the book and eat the book, John was actually standing there as one man but representing the entire bride as she is to take the word and eat it. Adam in the Garden of Eden stood there by himself but as he listened to the lie of the devil over the word of God though he was by himself as far as a man, but yet he represented every man from that time to the very end. Watch this, those who believed in sanctification then Jesus said the unclean spirit went out returns back to this church body. Now this is what happens in the church ages. This is what makes them form an organization. When they come out and God births them under the ministration of the church age messenger, then that unclean spirit by the word of that day is cast out away from those people and they're free and they come out of Catholicism or whatever it was and they say, oh my, thank God, God's moving among us. God's alive and God's healing and God's doing this and that. So that unclean spirit of that denominational thing goes out of them. But they don't go far enough to get the new light of the pending age. But what they do is make another organization. And then when they do they form their ideology, their doctrines. And when they do, then that demon comes back and he says, oh my, here is an empty house but it's swept and it's garnished. Look at all this. Boy, they've got church order. They've got this and that and the other. But you know what? He wasn't afraid of all their order. He was not afraid of all the things that had taken place in their life but what allowed him to come back in was there was no occupant in the furnished apartment so they've got the bed they've got the dresser it's all full of groceries it's all in order they've got everything that is perfectly ready for an occupant to move in but there's no one living in the apartment notice he said then Jesus said the unclean spirit that went out returns back to this church body and finds the house garnished, swept clean, living pure, clean lives. Pure, clean life. Pure, clean lives. Listen, friends, just because we think folks are good people, good people, does not mean they're accepted in the eyes of God. The Bible does not say the prayer of a good man is what moves God. But the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, not a good man. You and I look at people, oh, that's a good man, that's a good woman, that's a good man. You mean that's as far as you know. You see, you and I may be looking at people and saying, oh, they are so good, and we don't have a clue what they do in the secret time of their life. But it's not so much a good man or a good woman, as we would call them, that God hears their prayers, but it is a righteous man or a righteous woman. How can they be righteous? Because they are veiled in the very righteousness of Christ the Word. Another point that separates the bride from the church, good people that you work with and that you know, and they're good people. But yet God does not categorize them by just being good and bad. He categorizes them by being righteous in Christ Jesus. You see, the prophet tells us that the very reason they go through the tribulation period is because they reject the fullness of the word and its atonement to make them clean. So they pick out what they want oh boy they're against Catholicism you take a good old Southern Baptist, he'll never join up to Catholicism he'll never join up to the homosexual agenda. my my there ain't no way in the world. he'll stand right there praise God but you tell him you get along in your prayer calls and go to speaking in another language sometime and see how that good man responds then. Ah, then you see an attitude from that good man that goes to ridiculing and making fun of your Bible. So what happens to his goodness? Praise. Praise the Lord. Well, say they believe in speaking in tongues and then you tell them about God sending a prophet in Malachi 4. See what happens to that good man's attitude or that good woman's attitude. So you see it's easy for us to look at people and categorize them. Oh, this is a good man. That's a good man. That's not the way God looks at it. God looks at it as them being loosed or separated or washed from their unbelief by receiving the fullness of his word. So, you know, the portions of the word that God reveals to us, the difference between the elect and non-elect is non-elect will take what they want because the word is like a smorgasbord to them. It's like a walk-through buffet. So they take this, they take that, they don't want this, they simply don't get it. But that's not the way the word works. God gives it to us and God expects us to line up. Now it may take us a week or two or a year or whatever it is, but the elect of God will receive every word of God because the word is their. Father. Is that right? Not only that, but it is their husband. So they're joined to him through this great power of providence which is his truth. Now other people, that can belong to this church and be a good church member. Boy, absolutely a good person. And yet they don't believe this, they don't believe that, they don't believe that in the word. That cannot be bride, friends. That cannot be bride because the bride will be united totally and completely with the word. So notice this individual this church age, this generation that Jesus is speaking about. watch the prophet said? That if that house isn't filled, occupied, then come seven other evil demons worse than he was. And the last stage of this place is seven times worse than it was at the first place. They had been better to stay. Oh my goodness. Now I realize every time I deal with this, Message folks get mad at me. Because I do not believe the message is like Amway. I do not believe that the message is a pyramid scheme. I do not believe the message is a product that we can just hand out to everybody. Oh, Brother Donnie, don't you think we ought to witness? I do to those that the king leads you to witness to. On these days, you're going to open up your eyes and realize we would have been better off to left some of these Lutherans in the Lutheran church. But instead, we tried to sell our product without the leading of the Holy Ghost. And we convinced them with our ability that the message was right. They were in it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 for some of them and finally they come to who they were and they were sick of sitting in a message church and they turn against it, you'd have been better off to left them a loser. Because now many of them have crossed the line and will never be saved. It's not a product, friends, that we can just go throwing here and there and there and there. The truth, oh my, the word of God is not really ours to give. It is the spirit of God who uses our instrumentality. You say I'm crazy? If you want to listen to the very words of your prophet, they would have been better to stay Lutheran than it would be to receive the light and to follow it. Now saying so a man, a woman, a boy or girl would've been better off to stay a Lutheran or a Methodist or a Baptist than they would to be brought to the knowledge of the message and then turn away from it, why? You say, how can that be? The more light you see when you walk from it, the more grace, the more grace you're trampling under your feet. Notice this in verse 44. Then he says, I will return into. Notice he realizes whose house this is. My house. Why? The title deed has not been cleared on this person's soul. Now they may may give up drinking. They may have given up smoking. They don't watch bad movies. They don't listen to bad music. But that ain't what separates them are still married to that first nature they've still got that nature in them and this demon out of hell can look at that house and say that's still my house Mm -hmm. they might be worshiping God they might sing they might play a guitar they might play the piano oh my they might be such a oh good person I will return into my house from whence I, notice his authority, notice his position. Had he been cast out by a servant of God, he cannot truthfully be saying these things about I and mine and me because he's been made to leave by authority and he cannot come back unless that individual house owner Opens up their heart and says, come back into me. Think of it, friends. And when he has come, he findeth it empty to be at leisure, to be idle, to be unoccupied. Empty, swept to sweep, to clean by sweeping. And garnish, to put in order, arrange Make ready, prepare, to ornament, adore, metaphorically, to embellish with honor or gain honor. Now look at all the work, look at all the sermons, look at all the prayer and all the things that it went into this individual's life. And yet none of that kept that demon out of there. Notice he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished all you know, it's, it's not enough. The way the Lord Jesus uses these words, empty, swept, and garnished. It, it's more, it takes more than that. It must be the right tenant that moves into that furnished apartment. And he takes the keys to the door. If you're in an apartment from an individual, would you want them having a key to all of your house and all of your possessions and everything else? God don't want that devil once he leaves out of there to have a key into your joy, a key into your happiness, a key into this and that and the other, and when he does, we're letting him rob us. But God wants to take that and change the locks. Amen. Amen. He wants to change the locks. Well, the devil used to control my joy. You need to let the Holy Ghost change the locks to your joy oh but Brother Donnie we're living in terrible times I realize we are terrible times should not have the skeleton key to your joy terrible times should not have the skeleton key to your peace, your prayer life come on saints it ought to be so given to you by the Holy Ghost that the Spirit of God changed every lock in your house it changed every lock in every avenue of your being and you say Satan it may affect me but you are not getting in this house get out of here oh my You see, this demon is ironically displayed in the way that Jesus gives him and renders him as if though he just went for a casual walk. So he's gone for a month or two and he walks through dry places. Now, you know, to the Jews, the way that they looked at Hebraism is the way it's called that they looked at a desert as being a dwelling place of demons. They looked at the number seven. The number seven is a spiritual number we know. But even in the Hebrew way of looking at things, the number of seven was a number of magnitude. So whenever Jesus used the number of seven, it would have really got the attention of those people. We know to us, God manifests himself in sevens. But yet the way that they looked at it, oh my, it must have been so overwhelming. When Jesus now opening up this realm of demonology, but when the demon returned, what does he do? He brings seven other devils that are worse than himself. Now we know of course that the last days of this man would have ended in absolute tragedy. What's in verse 45. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. So showing us that there are degrees of wickedness, as there is degrees among spirits. Whenever God created them, they had a hierarchy, of course, archeo is the word that was made first and those in the first line. So the life state of this man, Jesus said, would be worse. Oh my, what happens? They enter, notice the plurality now, this entrance. They enter in and dwell there. Now they're not gonna leave. Now they're not going to come and go, but they set up housekeeping. I wonder, friends, how many that we rub shoulders with that has 8, 10, 20, 15, 50 demons in their bodies. And this is why when you cross them, that certain demon will take their human characteristics and traits and personify them and they become a different person that you don't even know. You ever dealt with something like that? And then all of a sudden that manifestation will be there for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or less, and they revert back to that other person. You think, what in the world happened to them? It was one of the residents that lives inside that body. And then another situation would happen totally different from that one, and another demon, maybe a demon of temper or whatever more, which is right next to insanity, wanted to take this individual's body over And according to the stress factor and according to what they're dealing with, each demon will take its spot and manifest manifest itself through that human body. If demons can do that, what about the power of the Holy Ghost in a child of God? If a devil can get a hold of a person and change their, their way of talking, their way of thinking, and give them superhuman strength, cannot the power of the Holy Ghost anoint our faith anoint our talking, anoint our minds, anoint our prayer that we may get down to pray and it's just us for the first 15 minutes but all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in there, amen, and it's not us anymore, it's not just us reiterating what we thought we'd talk about, but it's him anointing our prayer and them devils out of hell are running scared because they hear the voice of Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So he becomes more wicked, more rotten, more corrupt. Now, notice, such are the conditions of apostates. You see, apostasy is worse than ever being unconverted. Coming to truth and embracing it and walking away is worse than a person that, ever, that never even got saved. It's all right for you to ponder it. You see, for the most part, many of them will never be recovered. Lord God. Now, notice these words that Jesus adds to this latter part of the verse. Even shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So then the Lord Jesus takes the focus off of just an individual, and he says, so will it be even unto this wicked generation. And we know him well enough to know these words must have been spoken in sorrow. And heaviness. It was no doubt from the heart of a loving Savior that did not will it to be this way because he knew that as a generation, Israel would reject him. Now, he's speaking about an individual. He's speaking about church ages to come, but he's also focusing on that generation of Jews. Now, how in the world could we ever take this parabolic form and focus it on them Jews? Well, we would have to look at it exactly right. Now, remember on the return of them coming back out of the captivity. Those of you that have studied Jewish history, you know that for the most part, A lot of the idolatry which they were sold out into, into Babylon and the different kingdoms, once they come back out, they never went that direction again. When they come out even under the Maccabees and they went in to to have the Hasmonean War and they went in to try to restore and it seemingly was a revival sort of like Luther's Day of Justification to where it brought a spiritual spark of fire among them. And they wanted to worship God. So you look and see when they come out that the Lord Jesus is categorizing Israel as a whole, like this individual, that God done something for them and God brought them a long way. But Jesus is now standing there with heaviness in his heart and reading to them their very destiny. He said, I am telling you, you generation of Jews, I'm telling you what is going to happen to you. Before it ever happens, I'm gonna tell you, you come out from under the Babylonian captivity. The temple was rebuilt and restored, but I'm telling you now, you've got all your bonnets and your hats and this and that and the other, and you pay ties tithes of mint and rue and cumin, and you do this and that and the other, but you are empty. He said, your houses are like the graves that throw the bones of them inside of there. Oh my, you know how they were in their day. They were so religious and so lost. They were so religious and they had everything in such order, but they had no occupant, oh my, no occupant living down inside their soul. Here and now Jesus takes it and places it upon that entire generation. But let me sound a trumpet to you tonight. There was Peter which fit in that generation. There was John which fit in that generation. There was different ones that also heard this same parable, but they did not remain in that generation. Why? Because they were called out to be in his generation. They were Pharisees, they were Sadducees, they were of the Essenes, they were different groups that they had come out of. But the Lord Jesus had called him with his voice light. His voice light had struck their soul. Even though they had not received the Holy Ghost yet, they had been brought out of what they were, of what they had believed all of their lives. And even though they were born in in that generation. They did not fit in that generation. May I say to you, our generation is the generation that will consummate the judgment of God. Our generation, our nation will be that which sums up the very mind, the very judgment of God. But yet, because I'm born in this generation, does not mean that I'm numbered with the transgressors. Hallelujah! Why? Because I have been reborn into another generation. I am not, oh in time my body's still layered to sin. My body may be layered to sin, but my soul is a gene of God. In the time frame, I'm getting older, I'm getting weaker, I'm this and that and the other, but my soul has eternal life. It's not one day older now than it was before the foundation of the world. Though I am here, I do not belong here. Though I reside here, I have another place that I'm going to. You see, it's up to us. They were right there and heard these words. They could have said, well, I guess we're doomed too. Peter could have looked at John, and John looked at James and said, ain't no need in trying. Ain't no need us even trying to do anything. If these guys were lost, then what about us? But they heard another voice from Jesus, saying, all that my Father has given me will come. Amen. Amen. They heard these words out of Jesus' mouth too. But somehow, brother, I believe when they heard this, they thought, that ain't who I am. That don't apply to me. I'll tell you one thing friend, you and I need to have this within us that whenever we hear somebody talking about a preacher preaching about deceivers and Pharaoh and Judas and all that and the devil will try to make that, you you just straighten him out right there, and say devil, that ain't me, I ain't Judas. I am not a deceiver, I am not a hypocrite, I'm not a liar, I'm a son or daughter of God. I may have mistakes but that has nothing to do with me. I am of a higher genealogy, I am not to sin. I am not gonna be lost, I am not gonna be left behind. Oh my, notice this, Hebrews 6, 4. Most of you Bible readers are familiar with this. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. You have to be very careful now when you read this passage. Paul did not say those who were once sealed, but enlightened, which means their eyes come open to an understanding they didn't previously have. Now they were enlightened and they actually tasted of the heavenly gift, singular, not gifts. So they actually tasted of the Holy Ghost. Now a person can taste of it. I don't wanna just taste of it. I wanna be sealed by it. But these people had tasted of the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. You see, some of them actually had a baptism in their spirit. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. I'm going to tell you something, friends. These are not infidels. These are not agnostics. These are people that are Pentecostal in an experience where they've actually tasted, these are not people that don't believe in a move of God. These are not people that don't even think God can even do that. They even know there's more to God than just a confession. That there's something about them that they hungered for a little bit more beyond, hail Mary, mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the time of our departure, amen. That's not the type of people we're talking about. But they had a hunger for the Holy Ghost, so they must have talked about the Holy Ghost. And they got far enough in, far enough into the kingdom of God that they even tasted of the Holy Ghost. They said, Oh, oh, this is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, praise God. And they tasted the word. They didn't just run it in their mind, but they pulled the word down and said, Oh, oh. Um, Oh, thank you, Lord. That is so good. That word, oh, it's so good. I know. I know, I know. This is serious. But we're in serious times. Have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, which is what? The word apostate. Apostasy. If they become apostate to what they said, what they saw, what they ate, what they experienced, and then they turn and walk away from it, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. So you see, Jesus speaking to the children of 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 the Jews that came out of the exile. And they were justified by faith, we'll say. They come on up under the Maccabees, which is prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus, of course, and they had been able to experience a cleansing for he goes into the temple and cleanses a lot of the mythology that had been brought into the temple prior to this is prior to the coming of John the Baptist so they experience an element of sanctification so the house is swept it's garnished and here comes the king himself and what did he tell them harry Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What's he offering them? Himself. Y'all are clean, you're swept, you're garnished, you've got everything in order. I am what you need. And they said, we will not have this man to rule over us. Say we not, well, thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. So the Lord Jesus offered to take the keys of their soul, keys of their spirit, keys of their reasoning, their imagination, their conscience, their affection. But they said, "We'll have nothing to do with this man." So they reached down and picked up stones. Whenever he took the book there and opened it up, and said, "This day, this scripture is fulfilled before your sight," and the Bible said they went to plunge him down the cliff, their hedge long, to kill him. They also, in another place, when he was a Nazar, picked up stones to stone him. The man that come to take up residence in their furnished apartment, but they said, "We don't want you in our house." You're not welcome here. So Jesus said, then your house will be left unto you unoccupied and desolate. And I tell you now, you will become possessed with more demons and you will be worse than your father was pre-exile. You will be worse than the Canaanites Now think of it, friends. The Canaanites were horrible people, horrible. Some of the practices and things that they did was unbelievable. But when you look at the mercy of God that dealt with the children of Israel and the way God brought them out, God punished the children of Israel worse than he did the Canaanites. Why? They drank the nectar of his cup. They took from the bread of his table You see, the more mercy is given to us, when God opens His Word to us and gives us a revelation, you understand what He's doing? He's unveiling a portion of Himself to us. That is mercy. Not just mercy when you get saved. Every time you get a revelation from the throne of God, it's a further extension of the personality of God revealed in your life. More mercy, more mercy, mercy about healing, mercy about grace, mercy about overcoming. And when a person turns from each of those steps of revelation, he tramples the blood of God, the mercy of the almighty God right underfoot. And says, I'm going to go back and be what I was before I come to this message. That is totally, completely impossible all these folks that have left this message will never ever get away from it I'll tell you right now probably more than likely most of them who have turned away never have a week that goes by in their life that they don't think, say or something about this message remember truth does one of two things, it binds you or sets you free Oh, it's so sad. Many of these that have turned and went away, they're bound right at the door of this message. They talk about it more now than they ever did. They mention the name William Branham and reproach and repulsiveness, sure, but they'll never get free from it. I mean, Lord Jesus. Lord God. You see, even though he left and left them in this state, he found the house empty, but before he left, things started coming in. Now think of it. I Me and Carol was talking about this week and I told her, I said, you know it must have been something. As the scribes, the Pharisees and many of those religious leaders of that day Once the light of Jesus shined on them and they turned it down. Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher that cometh from God. No man can do these things except God be with him. Right? Jesus said, "If, if, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But because you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Imagine their wives and their families must have been overwhelmed as they saw these leaders changed by the way they got more corrupt more vile they lied they twisted the torah you imagine how surprised that those men on the sanhedrin they were so overwhelmed by the way the religious leaders carried out the trial and crucifixion of the lord jesus because they knew it was absolutely contrary according to the very law that they said they believed it forbid them from having a trial in that time and whenever the witnesses would not corroborate their testimony, then whatever they was trying to accomplish out of them witnesses, then witnesses would have it done to them. According to the law, the Torah and the Mishnah, they should have taken them men which lied against the Lord Jesus and crucified them if they believed what their prophet said, but they didn't believe it. Demons started entering in, lying devils, corrupt devils, political devils, Lord Jesus, the most holy people of that day. But there, they crucified him. There, the most religious place on the earth. They, the most religious people on the earth, crucified the most painful, shameful deaths that a person can go through. Him, the most lovely, most pure, Hallelujah. There, they. They who? They who thought they were the cream of the crop. They who believed they were in charge of God's sheep. Oh, my. You imagine as the wars begin to rage. You know, the prophet, if, if you haven't listened to this oneness of God, I'm sure many of you have, but if you haven't, do you good to listen to it. In there, Brother Branham brings out also on the uniting time and sign, especially from the political aspect that the Jews had to unite together in order to reject the word, Christ. And when they united against him, then Titus started uniting his army. And he said, I believe we're living in a uniting time. Praise the Lord. We see uniting, don't we? We see it right now going on in our nation. Things that's happened in the last week or two, we never thought we'd ever see. Come on, saints. And if you voice your opinion about certain things, they are united against you to shut you up. Well, praise the Lord, is that right? And it's exactly got to be so. Why? So God will allow communism, God will allow Russia to unite together and this nation will pay the ultimate price. They will run to the mother. These prostitute daughters will run and they will join in allegiance together because they don't wanna give up their evangelical rights. So they will run back to mama and they will join together and they will unite together and when they are in the spirit of unity, God is going to have a nation that will be raised up and will have the Vatican's name wrote on a bomb. Oh my goodness, oh, but Brother Donnie, oh, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. Don't be afraid. You you need to unite yourself. You see, while they're uniting and all the left is uniting and the right so-called is uniting and this one's uniting, those are the another uniting that is going on. And you know what? The title of that sermon that he preached in 1963 was Uniting Time and sign Everybody's uniting under something. Well, people are looking and they're saying, oh my, Facebook is doing this and YouTube is doing that. Oh my, they shut this guy up. Well, what are they watching? They're watching Facebook signs and they're watching Twitter signs. Well, tweet, tweet, tweet to YouTube. I'm not watching Twitter, I'm not watching Facebook, I'm watching the signs right here in his word. Oh my! No. I'm not uniting with Twitter, I'm not uniting with Facebook, I'm uniting with the word. Because if they are uniting, what are they doing it for? So the atomic powers can begin to unite together in order to wipe them off the face of the earth and annihilate them. Oh my. Don't worry, children, hallelujah, before one of them bombs ever drop. Praise God, you'll be leaving this world. Praise be to God. Oh, the Lord Jesus was not invited to occupy this empty Sadducee house, this empty Essene house this empty Herodian house, this empty Pharisee house. They would not allow him. Can't you see people today exactly the same thing? They want him to be a savior, but stay out of their closet. Stay out of their music. Tell them, don't tell them what books to read and what movies to watch and what music to listen to. You keep that preaching to yourself, preacher. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Fine. I'm going to tell you the requirements. If you want to go, you'll line up to them. And if you don't, that choice is entirely up to you. What are you doing? Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, but I don't want you to be my husband. I don't want to be married to you, Lord. But the bride says, Lord, Lord, whatever you want. I give you every key. I give you absolutely every key of my life, Lord. Here's the key to my memory. Here's the key to my conscience. Here's the key to the music I listen to, to the books I read, to the places I go, to whatever I do. Lord, I give you the key to everything because you know better how to keep house than I do. It's evident, Lord, I don't know how to keep house because I'm a bad housekeeper. Come on, saints. If the Pharisees could just admit it, imagine Nicodemus setting that friend, it would have been better for him to have never seen what he saw. Oh, Brother Donnie, what about me? What about you? We have seen God's mercy. We have seen God do so many things. Let's not let it turn against us. You see, this parable was worded in such a perfect sense to identified that generation I imagine they got so angry they got so upset I wonder how many demons entered them when they heard Jesus preach the word instead of repenting they got so mad and so angry and when they did they opened their soul right there in that meeting and the demon stepped right inside of their soul. You imagine when they went home that evening. Brother Dave after church. And they were so mean. And so grouchy. And so contrary. And the wife was saying. What's the matter with you? Are you, are you sick? Or not, I'm fine. You're not the way you was this morning. Where you been today? I've been to church. I've been hearing Jesus preach. And I didn't like it. You see, friends, when we come to the house of God, we don't realize there's demons here. There's angels here. Great angelic powers are warring right in this place. Oh, I can feel them. They war for what? Occupancy. Praise God. Oh, I don't look like much. I'm certainly not a great preacher. But you see, none of that is what scares the devils away. But it's when they come up to the house and see the sign, occupied. Not for rent, nor for sale. My height, my weight, how old I am, good preacher, not a good preacher, good singer, not a good singer, has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's the occupation sign that drives them back. Now you see, I could jump, I could shout, I could run, I could do all of those things. That's not the sign that they run from. But brother, if they see Jesus in the driver's seat, don't worry, demons won't be hitchhiking in your car. That's right. They're not afraid of me and you. They're not afraid of even our knowledge of the word of God. But if it's the personality, I don't know exactly what they see. But I do know from the discernments that I've looked at and what the prophet of God saw that whenever he would see a sinner and he would look at them and say, you've got really good faith to not be a Christian. I see that you're a sinner tonight. I see that darkness that's hanging around you. Or a woman would call out and say, you're praying for your son. Your son's got this, this, and this. And your daughter's got that and that. Not only that, they're unsaved. I see darkness hanging around them. And he would identify whether or not they were believers or unbelievers by light or darkness. And he looked at to another and said, I know you feel welcome. Let me describe how you're feeling. It's a real comfortable feeling. It's light all around you. You are a believer. He never said, oh, let me measure your hair, sister. Let me measure your hair, brothers. Uh, how long is your skirt? How long is your dress? Uh, what church do you go to? It was a pulsation from their soul that let him read and let him see in that realm. Don't you understand? that's the same realm that demons were in oh my I was doing a study last night on diabetes and I looked at all the, the quotes that Brother Branham said about 340 360 something like that and as I began to look at it I saw how that whatever a person would come up with diabetes and then another one began to scream out on the audience and he would say where was that what happened what, what, what was it where was it he said oh my I'm getting so tired now Satan will try to trick you Lord help me Lord please help me and then he looked around where was that woman where was that woman Oh, I see there it was. Oh no, she's delivered. She's delivered. Oh, that's another one out there. Everybody in the building that's got diabetes stand to your feet right now, he said. You're healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, Satan thought he would pull one over. Satan thought he would do that. But what did them dumb devils do? They just exposed themselves. It was a warfare that was going on. Oh, the discernment ain't here tonight. A prophet is not here to tell us the secrets of our hearts, but the sword is going for it. And devils hate that word. And that word is here to set us free. That word is here to deliver us of our evils. It's here, hallelujah, to bring healing to our bodies. Can you believe it with all your heart? We we are not that generation but we are his generation Amen. praise be to God praise be to God you imagine they got so bad so bad till their last destruction was total annihilation the blood ran out the streets they boiled their children and eat them They ate the bark off the trees, the grass off the ground. That would have been bad enough, but they died lost. Titus encamped about the city, and they thought, oh, we're fine, we're good, we're good. They went into the temple and prayed, oh, great Jehovah. Great Father, so-and-so come and pray for us. And they run into the temple and they begin to offer sacrifice and they prayed and they went through all of that. And while that was going on, they was busting down the gates and burning the gates. And here was the Romans flooding in the city and they killed them and slaughtered them by the thousands. But not one believer was found in the city. Why? They heard the words of Jesus through his own body And then they heard the words of Jesus through his bride body. And when they began to see the signs, you know what they'd done? They packed up their stuff and left before the tribulation period set in. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. They packed up their stuff. There was not one believer that had to boil their child. There was not one believer that had to eat tree bark, brother. They had done fed on the word and they'd united with the time and the sign and they was out of there. They left it by the grace of God. Let me read you a couple more scriptures and we'll close. Watch how Paul Was dealing now with this thing, remember Thessalonians written around 60 or 61, so this is before the the last phase of this starts to kick in. For you, brethren, become followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things, not of the Persians, not of the Babylonians, but of your own countrymen even as they have of the Jews the most religious people on the world and now they are setting up a persecution against the elect of God so today they try to do it by Facebook and emails and challenge you to this and that and the other persecute you run you down call you names Now watch him as he goes on to describe them who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. Wouldn't you hate for a prophet of God to write this about you? Who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God? Not only that, they're contrary to all men. They can't get along with nobody. By now, they have moved into such a state of misery. They can't get along with anybody. Why? Demons are now inhabiting their bodies. You understand what causes wars, right? From the sermon Victory Day, Syr Vista, 1963. The prophet said, what brings wars is because the spirit of France will get jealous of the spirit of Germany. And the spirit of Germany gets spirit, jealous of the spirit of America. And then them demons go to fighting and what they do is get under the German influence and the Swiss influence and then they bring that manifestation upon the earth and they start firing bullets and fired cannons and all that at one another. That's what happens in denominations. Well, I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. That's what's happened to the politics of America. There's demons that's in charge of one party and demons that's in charge of another party because remember, Satan is the king of both sides. They can't get along with one another. They can't get along among themselves. So what do they do? They fuss and fight and now they're so split and divided among themselves. Oh, but boy, Brother Donnie, given enough time. Biden will bring peace. Are you that ignorant? Are American people that ignorant and dumb that COVID's gonna fly away once Biden is anointed? Are we that dumb? Are we that blind that we cannot see? We are at the end time. I don't care who we vote in. It is beyond redemption, friend. Don't focus your time and your prayer. Oh God, oh God, let Biden win. Let Trump win. You better say, God, let me win. Let me get out of this place, Lord Jesus. Don't you understand? Whatever people get into and even believers getting on Facebook from what I'm told and fussing and arguing and fighting about politics, don't you know what you're doing? You're getting under that demonic spirit. Oh my, and they fuss and they fight and they argue. Well, What's the answer, I'll tell you what the answer is. A godly king. And in our state, it is King God, King Theophany, King Jesus. Notice what Paul said, Forbidding us to speak. Ah. So they started working on their freedom of speech, did they? Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. Now he doesn't go into the details to describe what they were doing. But these evil demon-possessed people were trying to stop the apostles from preaching the truth. And this is the reason why to fill up their sins, alway, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Mama. And about four years, five years later, it starts. And it goes on from 66 to 67 to 68 to 69 to 70. And then Titus rides in and takes it over. Kills them by the thousands. According to some of the historical writings, over a million people died. Died thinking this going to heaven died singing songs to Jehovah you imagine when they opened up their eyes in the regions of the lost and they thought God have mercy what am I doing here because they took on their destiny their deceit their discrepancy in their lives personified if people start acting like hell before they get to it you and I ought to start acting like heaven before we reach ours. We ought to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. But it's harder now, Brother Donnie. but the power of God is greater. You going to focus on how hard it is, you wanna focus on how, God big, how big our God is. Oh, it's dark, it's dark, that's right, I'll agree with you, but the light has never been so bright. You want me to preach about how dark it is or how light it is? Oh, but there's so much sickness, but there's so many miracles happening, so much healing that's taking place, our God is superior over all the powers of darkness. Amen. Let's read this, and let's stand together. Second Peter chapter 2, verse, verse 21. We'll pick it up again, Lord willing. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after, notice, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment. I want you to notice the way Peter writes this, the same way Paul does. They're not turning from something they have in their soul, but from something they've been taught, a commandment, which is something written. And they accepted it as a commandment of God and believed it was right. And Peter says it would have been better for them to have never known it than after they have known the way of righteousness, after they have known it, to turn away from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, can you imagine that God would anoint this man to categorize it in such a way that darkness, darkness, would have been less a sin than to embrace light and say, I see it, I see it, I see it. And then down the road, turn away and say, that was a bunch of lies. That was totally wrong when really inside of their soul, they still know it's right. Mm. Lord have mercy children. May God help us. Why brother Donnie? They sinned against more mercy, more grace. Oh my. And actually they become more capable of worse sin. You see, an apostasy and a person that is apostatized or one that is in such a state is actually liable of greater punishment. Remember Brother Branham talking about Ern Baxter? Never he said about Paul and never he mentioned Demas and Ern told Brother Branham he said, Brother Bam, you know the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven? He said, What, Ern? He said, I'm going to walk right up to Demas and I'm going to smack him right in the face and say, How did you forsake Paul down there? Brother Bam said, Ern, I think I'd be careful about wanting to go where Demas went. Now, remember, he said Demas did not go back to the world, he was a preacher. But he turned his back on the prophet of God and the prophet's message because he started seeing things. You maybe maybe remember the sermon that the Lord gave me several years ago on the failure of intellectual faith. And the Lord had me to bring it in the first person of Demas as if I was Demas when I was preaching it. And I started bringing points about Demas and how he might have started questioning because Paul he was with him, and he'd see his eyes get all runny and festered up. And Paul had to cancel meetings because he couldn't see. And then he'd finally start coming to a little bit and coming out of it. And he'd write a little small book. And Paul said, I had to, to write this with large letters. Now, the book itself wasn't but five or six chapters. But it was actually talking about the size of the letters. Can you imagine him sitting there and trying to look at it? Demas sitting over watching him say, this can't be right. I've seen that man lay hands on the sick and watch him. I've seen him lay hands on a man with a bloody flux. I've seen him do this and that and the other. He's losing his ministry. He's washed up. He's finished. Then he wrote to one of them and said, "Whenever you come down here, Timothy, to visit me, would you bring that coat? I left up there at Troas." I forgot my coat up there and Demas thought, a man like that was only one coat. I can't follow such a man. Demas, of course, was a wealthy guy. Had a lot of goods and things around him. They come down to the end and Paul said, all men have forsaken me. They've all left me. Sitting down there, the rats running over his feet drop old molded bread down there to him. And Demas said, how could that be a servant of God? I just can't believe it. Brethren, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I'd like to make a recanting video and put it on YouTube. Now I'm free from that, that cult called Paul. I'll tell you, brethren, I, I, I repent before you. And I join sides with you all now. And I'm against that, Paul. Lord God. Let me just tell you the way I feel. If you folks in a year from now, or a week or a month, decide you no longer want to go this way of the message of Malachi 4, and you figure the only way to shut me up is to vote me out. If need be. I'll walk out of here with my wife even if my daughters don't follow. My son-in-laws, my granddaughters. I'll walk out by myself before I will recant this word that has changed my life. And you folks that have left the message you want us to leave this and follow you would you please Send me your testimonies of how many are getting filled with the Holy Ghost by following you. Please tell me how many are getting delivered of addictions. Please tell me how many are getting healed of cancers. Please let me know how many are getting delivered of besetting sins. As Carol and I talked with someone after church on Sunday... And I began to talk by the Spirit of God and asked the person something they wanted to say. And they talked for just a couple of minutes maybe. And I started talking, led of the Holy Ghost. And I just kept talking, kept talking, and kept talking. And I told the individual, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take all your time. Now you say something. And the person said, you answered every question that I had on my heart. I don't have anything else left to say. So some of you that wanna argue your theology, you come and do that. Don't prove it by your words, but Paul said, I will know the power of them, not their words. I'm not here to argue, I'm not here to debate. Let's see the God who answers by fire. Come on now, don't get scared. Well, if you all have been sent to set us free from this message bondage, you ought to have signs. God always confirms the word with signs following. Oh, but you're great theologians, but you have no power, huh? Well, sorry, this ignorant Kentucky boy ain't gonna follow you. (laughs) Because my God is a God of supernatural. Well, come on, children. What about it, Happy Valley? You wanna leave, you wanna go back to that old vomit, back to that old pig pen you were in? Not me. I like it out here being free from all that mud. I like it out here being free from all that stuff, don't you? Praise God. You'll find a hog return back to that pig pen, but you'll never find a sheep there in the first place. Is that right? My, I don't get worried at all when I see a hog wallowing in the mud, but if I see sheep down there, I think, boy, there's something bad wrong, because why, it's different from the nature of a sheep to get in such stuff. I don't marvel that hogs go and leave to apostasy, but I know that genuine elect can no more leave this word, then God can leave them. They are germatized to the seed of life, hallelujah, and you cannot burn it out of them, you cannot pull it out of them. Whenever they tried to get Polycarp to deny it, he said, I am an old man. He said, in all my days, he's done me good. Oh, Polycarp, you're an old man, come deny him now. He said, I cannot deny him, I will not recant. Can you imagine as they stood there and they burned him at the stake and they pierced him through with the sword and they offered him, Wealth, and they offered him money but the true one stood there and said I will not recant yeah. but on the other hand there were some and they come right to the point of death 30 seconds before they died and recanted can you imagine leaving this world and the last words spoken were I hate Jesus Christ oh. God, keep me faithful. God, keep me faithful. If I lose my strength, if old age sets in and I lose my mind, and I can't remember, and I don't know you and you and you and you, don't let me lose my seal. Don't let me lose my birth. Don't you love him, children? Hallelujah. Oh, but I take this verse and, you know, it's so sad, really, when you look at it, it's been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, but that cannot be said about you. You see, God will never say that about you, nor will you ever say that. As I said, Sunday, Job cursed the very day he was born. Nobody that's ever truly born again ever curses the day they drew the breath of life from the breath of God. Praise be to God let heads together. Blessed Lord God. Lord, I can't say that I rightly understand these last couple of Wednesday nights. You're speaking to us in a very serious, serious tone, very somber. Lord God, help us. If there's one here tonight in the visible audience, or those in the invisible, Lord, dear God, that needs to move up higher, I pray you'd speak to us. I don't think there's an honest person that would hear this that cannot say, We all need to move up closer to you, Lord. Help us, Father. Lord Jesus, help us to be cleansed and things set in order. But Lord God, we don't want a furnished apartment with no king. Lord God, we want it to be furnished, but we want only one occupant to move in and take up residence. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's the song of Solomon we know is written in such an intimate way that for years the Jews would not even allow their children to read it until they reached a certain age because it seems so clear and so plain. It's baffled theologians for years. But yet, Lord God, we don't look at it in a vulgar sense. But we look at it, Father, as an intimacy between you and your beloved. We see it as your love for her and her love for you. The Father God, we don't read a church member. We don't read somebody that you have to beat them to come to church. And they come every now and then. We read somebody who's so in love with you. They love you with all their soul. Lord God, help us, I pray. I'm sure each of us, Lord, this last year, if we'd be honest, would say this Year has taken somewhat of a toll on all of us. For those who've had COVID, Lord, maybe you're still dealing with symptoms. For those who haven't, I pray you'd spare them of it. But Lord, we've not been able to have church like we normally do. We've not been able to get together and fellowship with our friends. Lord, it's, it's affected us. I'll be the first one, Lord God, to say to you tonight, I long for the day when we can have church on Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday, and we can get together, saints and fellowship, without a mask. We can't even hug one another's neck. Oh God, help us, Lord Jesus. May Your presence, I pray, touch every heart here tonight, Lord. Father, maybe some of them are feeling just really down and low because the various things are going through may they feel your great hand just slip around them as it were tonight Father and hear you whisper to them I said I'd never leave you I'd never forsake you I know you're feeling sad and you're disappointed this friend has let you down and this loved one and this preacher has disappointed you but you can trust in me Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We worship you tonight, blessed God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whisper tonight, Father, to the lonely hearts, the abandoned ones, to those who are low. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may you who hides in the lattice the secret places of the stairs, May your bride catch a view of your countenance because we know what to look for. To some, it's shadowy and it's parabolic and it's metaphoric. People look, I I don't understand. I can't figure it out. I tried to read the Bible. I can't figure it out. Oh, I ain't going to try. But the bride says, no, no, no. He wants me to search. He wants me to look. I've got to put forth the effort. It looks like a shadow and then it looks... Unclear, but then as she begins to look and her, her eyes receives heavenly enlightenment, then she says, oh, is that an eye? Is that a nose? That's a lock of hair. That's, that's his chin. That's his brow. The more she looks, the more she sees. As you begin to open our eyes, Lord God, enlighten us to who you are how great you are Father we worship you tonight Lord Jesus can we just worship him just a little saints before we go oh praise be to God hopefully Lord willing we'll be able to gather more here on Sunday we'll have a little bit more normalcy hopefully for a while But, you know, if we do or if we don't, I've come to realize that through this COVID and through all this that we've gone through, I've not been able to see you all like I want to. You haven't been able to see me. I've not been able to hug none of you. Only ones I feel comfortable hugging is those that got antibodies. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to pass nothing on to nobody. And then you hug them and you think, oh. Should I do that or not? But I've come to realize that even though I can't hug you, I can still hug Jesus. And I might feel a distance with you. Folks come in the office for interviews and they come in with masks on. And I tell them, take it off if you want to for my sake. Why? Why? Because we, we feel so edgy. We feel so concerned. Don't tell me that don't bother spiritually. But let me bring you into an August court tonight. You can take your mask off. Lay your worries aside. Step up into the place the cherubims will move back and give you first priority into the presence of God. You believe He's here to minister to you? Yes, Yes, sir. Praise be to God. Let's just worship Him just a little bit. Now, we know there's a great divine approach into the presence of God. Of prayer. But we also know there's an approach of praise and worship. By which we begin to magnify his name and just bless his name. And he pulls us into this place of privacy. And Brother Bram uses the word August Courts. August Courts. So we don't want the outer court or the inner court. We want the August Courts of his being just pulls us right in brings healing ministers strength that evil spirit that's tormenting your body, your mind or your soul that will have to leave you at the name of Jesus Hallelujah at the name of Jesus we worship you tonight Lord Those of you at home, in your car, in your office, if you can, bow your head. Pull over if you're in your car safely. Praise God. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you right where you are. In the name of Jesus, be loosed from that oppression. Brother or sister that's sitting there and you feel so bound, In the name of Jesus Christ as a servant of God, I condemn that evil thing. may it leave you now, brother, blessed be the name of the Lord, hallelujah, Lord God, may your great presence go to living rooms and kitchens and offices, places of business, automobiles, Lord God. Father, we send your word. For the Bible tells us he sent his word and healed them. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our church. We pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may our assembly, Father, be healed and delivered. Granted, I pray, Lord. We worship you, Father. Sing something, Harry. Let's just worship him together, can we? Can we take a few moments before we go? Let's just close our eyes now and enter into this place that was once forbidden of the Gentiles. Oh, Satan would have loved to stop the gospel. He tried to anoint them Jews, the most religious people of that day, to stop the light from reaching the Gentiles' But God had them ordained to eternal life. And God was able to get his word to them. Your mother, your father, your aunts, your uncles, your former pastor, many of them tried their very best to keep you from getting this word. But God went around them. God went above them. God went under them. God bypassed them and got this word to your heart and birthed you. And he didn't birth you to lose you. Remember, Satan may think he's got our nation. He may think he's got our world. He may think the left has taken over the social media. The left is taking over this and taking over that. But I want to remind him tonight, they ain't got the throne room. They ain't got the kingdom of God and the hearts of the saints of God. They don't have the kingdom of heaven Hallelujah, what belongs to heaven still belongs to heaven. What belonged to heaven, pre-election, still belongs to heaven. Here we are in January. What belonged to heaven, oh my, back before the foundation of the world still belongs to heaven tonight. Here we are, 2021. And Jesus has not lost a one. Let me serve notice on hell tonight, you'll never get the throne room. You'll never get one heart of one saint of God. Oh, you've got the earth and look what you've turned it into. You've got hell and look what you've turned it into. But let me tell you about a place that's off limits to you, Satan. You have never stepped your foot inside that new city. Oh, you've been allowed to tread upon that original place called heaven. You've been allowed to go into where the throne room is now but you have never been allowed to set one foot inside those pearly gates because it is a city of the redeemed. Not one demon has ever stuck its foot in the river of life. Not one power out of hell has ever stuck one eyeball or stuck his head inside the gates of that city because it's created for the heavenly bridegroom and his earthly bride. It is our city. It is our home. That's how confident our master is. That there is a bride on the on the earth. That is his. He's so confident. He's gone away to prepare a place for us. Not only that. He's already got the gates hung. The gigantic hinges have received the gates of pearl. It's already there waiting. The angels are there waiting for the saints of God to throng the beautiful streets of that city. Praise be to God. Oh, praise be to God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Don't you love him, saints? Don't you love him? Aren't you glad tonight? to be a son or daughter of God. You may be so poor that you ain't got enough money in your pocket to stop by the drive-thru and get you a soft drink or a hamburger. But if your name is found there declared by the Lamb of God, your name spoken before the foundation of the world, you are one of the richest people that has ever drawn breath on this earth. Oh, praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Brother Darrell, won't you come, buddy? You. Amen. I want to say I know it's been difficult for Brother Darryl, been not been able to go out on the field and evangelize and all, but I've so enjoyed Brother Darrell being able to be with us. Now, haven't Amen. you? Amen. Been Amen. able to pray for us, preach for us, pray with us. Amen. So glad to have a man like him. Amen. 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 Antibodies. <laughs>
1: Praise the Lord Hallelujah. Isn't the word so precious friends and You can see the The reality of where we're at in time And the pattern of the word and It's just going home time friends And the things that we're seeing taking place And I went down this afternoon to Feed my horse and I was Standing down there by the gate And while I was standing there, I began to think about Moses and the children of old and how they'd come down to the Red Sea. And I just got to thinking about what a troublesome time that that was, that the, the sea was in front of them. And here come Pharaoh and this eventual army behind them to destroy them. And Not knowing exactly what was going to take place, they'd, they'd come out of something. They was following the message, but now here was this ocean in front of them. And while I was standing there, I just saw Moses turn to him and say, Hold your peace. And I thought, oh my, that's that's right. Don't let them take your peace, friends. He said, I give you peace, not as the world giveth. I give you this peace, and don't let them take that peace. Don't get caught up in the nervousness and all the confusion and the aggravation. Don't lose your peace. Remember who we are. That he'll not leave us, nor will he forsake us. We're going to cross the sea, friends. We're going over. We're going to our land, to our home, to our kingdom. Amen. Amen. It's, it's more real than this, friends. Amen. And it's right here at the door. And I say, let's Amen. press on. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you, Rich. Let's just bow our heads in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, I, I'm just so grateful, Lord, that you have given us the revelation of your word in this hour, Lord. That we can see even as they done it unto the groom, yes. even so will it be unto the bride, Lord. For the word is being made flesh, and the flesh is being made word, Lord. And but as Brother Donkey said, Lord, ever overtake that. For the word of God will never fail, and we're a part of that word, Lord. So we have peace tonight in knowing God that all things work to the good, no matter how how dark it would seem to be or how nervous it would seem to be. It's working for our good, Lord, bringing us to that place that you had of us in your mind before there was ever a world, Lord. God, we're just so grateful that we can see these things, Lord, and know where we come from and know where we're going. And knowing, Lord, that there's something within us that even we get weary and feel like letting go, there's something in us that won't let us go. Because it's not me holding you, but it's you holding me, Lord. Lord. And we're grateful for that, Father. And Lord, I pray this evening as we go to our homes, may we think about these things that we've heard, Lord, and may we see the anointing that's driving these people to do the things that they're doing. But there's another anointing, dear God, It's driving your people to fulfill your word for this hour, making you the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, may we come under that anointing, dear God. May we give ourselves away to you, Lord. Use our eyes, Lord, to see with. Use our lips to speak with. Use our hands, dear God, and our feet to walk the path of righteousness, Lord God. Oh, Lord, flow through us to your suffering children and heal through our hands, Lord, and heal through our words, Lord, because we're not the healer, but you're the healer, Lord. Use our words, God, and use our our hearts, Lord. May we just give everything we have to you, Lord. Be with your children now as we go to our homes. May we think about these things, Lord, that we've heard tonight. May we become a part of it, Lord, we pray. Thank you for Brother Donnie, Lord. And other, there's one thing he said tonight that I don't agree with. He said he's not a good preacher, but Lord, I don't agree with that. I'm grateful for the gift that you placed into his life, Lord, because I have truly seen Jesus in my generation. I've seen him through my brother, and I thank you for that, Lord. Strengthen him now, we pray, God. And you see the burden that he's been under and his family's been under, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, may you make this trial a great blessing. Grant it, Lord, we pray. We thank you for the word of God that we've heard tonight. We surrender our lives into your hands for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you love him tonight, friends? Sing it, Brother Harry, I Give Myself Away. You know that? Let's just sing this just before we go. I give myself
2: away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The hallelujah. more I seek you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My beloved,
1: let's just worship you. The a few more minutes. I find you. Oh, we're in his presence now, amen. Mm. And the, the,
2: more the more I, I find, find you. Yes, Lord. The more I fall in love with you. the more I seek you yes Lord
1: to lean against his breast have he wrap his wings around us that great Jehovah Eagle to feel the warmth of his presence to hear his heart beat out Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever to be united not with the world not with the political party but with the God who created the heavens and the earth to become one with him that a man would walk upon the earth, not as a man, but as a God-man. The way He intended for us to walk in the beginning. A super race of people made in His image. Oh, God. There's just such comfort in those words, Lord. To lay against Your chest. Oh, God. Thank You for Your peace, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for your rest in such a time of turmoil, Lord. Thank you for your rest, Lord God. Resting under the revealed word, Lord. Waiting for our groom to hear the sound of the buckboard pulling up to the gate to catch us away. Oh, God, we see these things happening. I can almost hear the sound of it now as it approaches, Lord. May we be true. May we... We be faithful, Lord. Bless your people now as they go tonight, we pray. We just love you, Lord. Thank you so much. You love him, friends. Ain't no better place on the earth to be than right here, right now, at this moment. Amen. Amen. Drinking from the breast of El Shaddai, the vitamins for a body change. May the Lord richly bless you as you go in peace. Amen. Sing us happy, Brother Harry. God bless you, saints, tonight. Amen. He's got it all
2: in control. He's got it all in control. He put that reassurance way down in my soul He's got it all in control And I put my life in His hands I put my life Put my life in his hand and he's got it all in control. Got it all.